So this is a transparent church. We like honesty. Who here, by show of hands, loves the Christmas time, loves the Christmas season? You're all about the vibe. You love the lights. You love the gift giving. You love everything about Christmas. Now for my more honest people. <laughs> Who here, on the flip side of that, is like, Christmas time just stresses me out. All right, they're honest people. I love it, yeah. I think it's funny or odd that during this time of year, we want this vibe of just awesome Christmas where it's family all the time and love and joy and peace, but yet we find ourselves weeks before Christmas not that way. We're stressed out, we're robbed of joy, and we're thinking constantly, this is not what I wanted or this is not what I planned for. I can't even count how many times I talked to people just this week, and they start off by saying, this time of year is so stressful. I totally get it. We get so wrapped up in all the things that we have to do, right? There's school plays, and there's family visiting, and there's the end-of-the-year work stuff, and there's the buying of presents, and everybody has to have 25 presents under the tree because if they get 24 presents under the tree, they don't feel loved. So now on Christmas Eve, you're going out to the store trying to get 25 presents, but then the last present that you got, you didn't really like, so you get four more to add on top of that, and now you stretch your budget too far, and you're stressed out. Or maybe that's just my family. Because if you know my wife, she's a gift giver, and everyone has to get 25 presents under the tree. That's going to change soon. <laughs> and the family's coming over. Nothing is ready. How are we going to pull this off? Anxiety, stress, COVID, stress. But yet we also say that this time of year is for joy and love and peace and calmness. But every year, I find it to be the same. I think we can all agree that the stress, the anxiety, the rush of this season is truly not what any of us wanted. And I'm continually reminded how culture has kind of lost sight of the meaning of the Christmas season. The other day, I was talking to someone who, in full honesty, said they had really no clue prior to being at Crossbridge that Jesus had anything to do with the Christmas story. Even though Jesus really kind of is the Christmas story, they kind of didn't find his part in it. They only knew the gift-giving at all the Christmas trees and the lights, they didn't know there was way more to the story. And unfortunately, that's just becoming the culture. We're seeing anxiety rise, but in the Christmas season, we're also seeing the story of Jesus lessen. Don't you think maybe it could be a little coincidental? That's why I love that as a church, we decided to do the Advent series. You know, I never celebrated Advent while I've been a believer. Back when I grew up Catholic, I know that they did Advent. I had no idea why we were doing it. And then now we do this series, and for the first time, I'm like, man, I didn't even know we celebrated those stuff as believers. But I love that we're going over it because it's going over some of the truths that we can celebrate during this time. So let's take a minute just to look back at what we've gone over so far. In week one, we talked about hope and looked at the story of Mary and how she had a song of hope when it came to God choosing her to birth the Savior. In week two, we looked at peace and realizing how Jesus truly is our Prince of Peace. And then last week, we looked at love and how suffering is a pathway to love and that Jesus took that path for our sake. Which leads us to this week, and you kind of heard it in the Advent reading, so thanks, Greenwood Mellon family. This week, we're all about joy. So I want you to do something for me. Close your eyes for a minute. Everyone do it. Close your eyes. I want you to picture Christmas morning. There's this feeling that everyone kind of celebrates. You go and you see the gifts and you're just nothing but excitement and joy. Or even more recent years, you're giving the gifts and the person that's receiving the gift is nothing but excitement and happiness and they're so pumped. But then come late afternoon, or by evening, all the presents are open. The feasts have been had. 
and you look around at the aftermath of a day well spent, whether it's wrapping paper draped everywhere because the kids couldn't contain themselves, or it's like my house that every single time you opened a gift, your dad was there with the vacuum cleaner cleaning it up. And you look, and it's over. And a little sadness begins to creep in. You can open your eyes. After all this buildup over the past month, the school plays, the decorations, the parties, the shopping, and all of these fun, amazing Christmas songs, it leads to a moment where it's now over, and you turn on the radio, and the Christmas songs are already over. And if you're anything like me, besides this year, I always had to gear myself up for Christmas songs. I've said it in messages past. I'm not the biggest Christmas song fan. But it happens the same way every year. By the time it's Christmas Day, and I've heard Christmas songs all season long, I'm like, I kind of love this. We're singing about baby Jesus in a manger. This is awesome. And then I turn on the radio, and it's over. Just when we finally got used to or maybe excited about the Christmas season, just when we finally got to the day, the joy fades. But why does the joy of Christmas fade so fast? Well, I'd argue that it fades so quickly because the feeling that we're feeling is not joy. It's happiness. And that's okay. We tend to lump this idea that joy and this feeling of happiness are together, but they're not. We think that they're on the same level, but the more I read and the more I learn and the more I listen, I'm not so sure that having joy and being happy are actually the same thing or even in the same category. Just take a look at the world today. Anxiety is truly at an all-time high, right? Studies are beginning to show that it's never been like this when it comes to people feeling anxious. It's never been like this in history, how we're so anxious all the time as an entire world. And we're seeing this mainly in young adults and teens today. Schools are now having more and more counselors on staff, more and more counselors on college campuses. And yes, I would agree that this is a good thing. Now people have places and people to go to seek help. But even the counselors themselves are saying that they cannot keep up with how many people are seeking help at one particular time. Even personally, right, I see a counselor once a month. I've been doing it since I went on sabbatical, and I love doing this. And each Friday morning that I have to go to counseling, it plays out the same way. I wake up, I say, eh, do I really need to do this? And then afterwards I go, and I'm so thankful I did. But in our recent conversations, my counselor actually admitted to me, because, you know, it goes two ways. I'm a pastor. I sit down, how are you doing? You know, it goes both ways. But so as I'm sitting down there and we're talking, kind of going over things, my counselor admitted to me that their practice had to stop taking on new clients because they cannot keep up with the volume of requests that are being had, mainly among teenagers. But we have this bad habit of a culture of just going after this goal of making people try and feel happy and going after this goal of emotions rather than actually experiencing a healthy, abundant life. We've been so quick to medicate anxiety rather than actually deal with root causes. Now, don't get me wrong, because I'm not saying that medication or counseling is bad. So do not email Pastor Jimmy and say that I said that medication and counseling is bad. Don't email me and say that I said medication and emailing is bad, because that's not what I'm saying. But I believe that we are too quick to medicate rather than to go after where real joy can be found. So that really just begged the question, what is joy? What is real joy? How do we find it? Well, obviously, you're sitting in a church this morning. So the answer is Jesus. I'm going to get you to the end of the sermon, but I still want to talk for at least 45 minutes, so let's dive in together. Open your Bible to Luke chapter 2. Worship was a little short, so I have to go in a little deeper. So open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Pastor Jimmy has already walked through some of this passage, um, but I want to kind of look at it with fresh eyes. So can we pray before we start? 
That was just my intro. <laughs> God, we love you. There's an acknowledgement that we love this season, but yet we're also faced with much anxiety and stress. We acknowledge that the world today is filled with anxiety and stress. Holy Spirit, will you give us fresh eyes to see your word today? May we find life in you. May we hear and encounter you today. May we have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying today. We love you, God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So starting in verse 1 of Luke chapter 2, it says this. In those, those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while so-and-so was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Okay, so you have some context here, right? They're going back to their towns to register for this census. We talked about that a little bit in week one. So continuing on, it says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth into Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for a baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest rooms available for them. So let's stop here for now. Luke paints a pretty simple picture, doesn't he? This engaged couple, Mary and Joseph, are going to have a baby. This is happy times. This is awesome. But most of us in the room probably know, if we ever read any of the other Gospels or accounts of Jesus, that this was not a normal birth. This was not a normal situation. This was a miraculous one. Something amazing was happening in this story. But how quickly do we gloss over that because we've been reading this story for so long? This is Christmas. And we're talking about how there was this teenage virgin girl who has a baby born of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever tried to explain that to someone who's never heard the story before? It's pretty insane, but yet we gloss over it like it's normal stuff. No, this is insane things going on, but we get so used to it. Here's this teenage girl who's chosen by God. Just think about that one for a second. Chosen by God to deliver the Savior of the world, born of the Holy Spirit. Pretty amazing, amen? All right, now you're catching on. But we would be naive to say that this situation was a happy moment the whole time. My wife and I are only a few months away of having our first baby. Clap for applause. Right? And this is such an exciting time, and I'm pumped, and I, I truly mean this. I'm more excited than ever. Some of you have even told me that. You're like, God, Will, calm down. But I'm so pumped, and I can honestly say that our marriage has never been better. It's been better every single day. We're actually saying it's probably illegal to be having this much fun. But as we're preparing, every book and every doctor has told us it's time to begin our birth plan. And you know, I've been learning a lot, and I've been asking a lot of questions. Most of you know that because I've been asking them to you. But plans never come out perfect, do they? But I have to think of Joseph and Mary. They're having this baby. What in the world did their birth plan look like? It was no way that it was going to be like this, what actually happens. Could you agree? If one was to lay out a birth plan, do you think it would include donkey rides, a scandal, travel, animals, Think about this. Mary hears from an angel that she's going to give birth to a son who one day will save the world. What does Joseph hear at first? He hears that the person he's engaged to, planning this whole entire life with, is now pregnant, and he's not the father. Do you think he was happy? Do you think Mary 
was happy, all these people talking about her and how she's going to explain, yeah, I'm having a kid. It's God's. There's no way you just roll that out in a dinner. It had to be different from happy. There's no way that this was a happy moment because happy comes and goes. What are people going to say? What are people going to think? There's no way that this whole entire pregnancy leading up to our Savior's birth had anything to do with just being happy. So let's keep reading in verse 7. The text says this, she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. A manger? Do you know what they're talking about? They're basically talking about a feeding trough for animals. A manger is something animals eat out of. I don't think that that was part of the birth plan. If Mary had to lay out the day of Jesus' birth, I'm sure it didn't end with putting him in a place where animals eat. I wouldn't describe that as a happy ending. I mean, listen, I'm deep deep in parenting YouTube reviews right now. Any item that you think should go on a baby registry, I have looked up all of the reviews. I've looked up how, what, what the first year of a newborn looked like. What's the first day of a newborn look like? I know everything about everything. And none, none of the, vi- don't laugh at me. None, none of the videos have suggested, I'm telling you, not one YouTube video has suggested when you have the baby, lay him in a manger where animals eat and put him in near the animals. Nowhere does it say that. I would say this was inconvenient. I would say this was hard. And how does Mary say yes to going down this path? I'm sure there were happy moments. But I'm not going to say this is exactly how she wanted it to go. There were probably many different moments that brought unhappiness. So how does Mary make it through? How does Joseph make it through? How do we make it through? Well, before we can answer that, we have to keep going on in the story to one of my favorite moments of the Christmas story. And when I refer to the Christmas story, I'm referring to Jesus. I'm not referring to Ralphie. You guys understand? Okay. Because apparently when I say Christmas story, people think of that. So verse 8, the shepherds, here we go. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Put yourself in the scene. Shepherds are out in this field by night, and I can't imagine that their nights were filled with excitement. Did you ever stay up all night to guard some sheep? Neither have I. But I am assuming that it was either dangerous at times or incredibly, incredibly boring. And that's about it. But this night, this night was different than the rest. This night was going to be a night that these shepherds would never forget because an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of God shone around them. And I love what it says. Their response wasn't like, hallelujah, finally. They were terrified. Can you picture it? Put yourself in the scene. You're sitting here, bored out of your mind, guarding some sheep, and then all of a sudden it's shiny around you and there's this angel. Yeah, I'd be terrified too. Who wouldn't be? But what the angel says right after this in the midst of their fear is exactly the point. The angel says this in verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. I bring you good news. News that will what? Cause great joy for all people. This was not meant to be a normal birth. This was not meant to go by a human plan. This was a birth for all people. This was to be joy for all people. So what is the cause of great joy for all these people? 
a savior. What's God's answer for joy? It was himself. It was Jesus, and he was going to be the answer. He was going to be the root of true joy. That manger that we would see as probably not the best plan was not, or maybe not even in the best place, joy wasn't found in the plans. Joy wasn't found in the manger. Joy was the person in the manger. It was Jesus, the true savior of the world, true joy. But the reality is, we live in a broken world, and I think we all can agree on that. There's not any faith, I don't think there's any person in the world who wouldn't say, something's wrong. I mean, just look at anything today. We live in a broken world, a broken society, and it's filled, it's filled with disappointment. And as we're all on this constant journey to look for joy, I think the world is looking in the wrong places. If we're looking anywhere else but God for joy, I'm telling you the truth, you'll always Find yourself getting disappointed because true joy can only be found in God. Think about the beginning. Think about in Genesis 3, we read how sin came into this world and sin separated us from God, separated us from the source of joy. That's sin being anything outside the will of God, anything outside of the hope for our lives that God had for us. And in the beginning, there was freedom. There was this freedom and unity between humanity and God in the garden. But once sin entered into that garden, what was the result? No longer did we feel free, but we were now riddled with shame, guilt, and death. And since then, since Genesis 3, all those years ago, humanity has been trying to fill this emptiness with everything, not remembering that the source of our joy was when we walked in unity in the garden with God. We were all lost. But at this moment... At this birth announcement, there is going to be great joy for all people because no longer would we have to live in shame. No longer would we have to live in guilt. No longer would we have to live apart from real joy because on to us was born a Savior who would redeem everything. That is why it continues on back in Luke 2 in verse 13. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and that baby who was lying in the manger. All of a sudden, the host of heaven, think about it, not just like one or two angels, but a multitude of heaven's armies was surrounding the shepherds in this glorious light, and they were all praising God. Why? Because joy was finally here on earth, because real hope, real peace, real love, real joy was finally available for all of the earth. Can I get an amen? There we go. Can you imagine what that was like? In this moment, heaven and earth collide together in one amazing worship night, all because joy was brought into the world. And the shepherds heard of this joy, and I love it. They can't just sit there. They get up, and they go on search for this true joy. They go to where the angels told them to go because joy was here. But remember what I said when we kind of started today. We have to be clear on this. Happiness and joy are not the same thing. Happiness is just an emotion, and that leaves us wanting more. Happiness is so situational. It's built on the situations around us, the circumstances around us. It can quickly come, and it can quickly fade. 
The truth is, happiness will always leave you, it will always leave me, wanting more. And we run to all these things trying to fulfill this emotion of being happy. But it never really sustains us. Never really being truly rooted in the right area. We run to relationships, we run to materialistic things, we run to success, we run to people-pleasing, we run to all these different things thinking, okay, maybe then I'll be happy. And that at the end, we're still so surprised when we're not happy anymore. Happiness was never meant to last forever. Constantly thinking, if I get this, or if I get that, or I get that promotion, or if I get that grade, or I get into that college, then, maybe then, or if I get them to like me, then I'll finally be happy. And maybe you will be. But I promise you, it, it, it won't last. It, it can't last. Happiness is too situational. It was never meant to last, and that's okay. Years ago, and I've told this before in church, I used to be like a very very depressed person. Um, I hid it a lot in humor. I hid it a lot in people-pleasing. Um, and I did take medication to get me through it. And I'm glad I did. It was a difficult season for me. Three years, I was kind of on this medication, just trying to make it through, just trying to be happy. And that wasn't a bad thing. I needed help. And I'm glad I did, because I, I got the help that I needed. What I did not like was one of my last visits, you have to go to the doctor, you have to get a checkup, and then they give you the prescription. And one of the last times I went to the doctor, it was a different doctor. And he asked me, hey, how the med how the med how's the medication going? And I remember saying, it it's helpful, you know, I feel better. And he goes, yeah, I think people should stay on this stuff forever. Listen, if it makes you happy, then why would you ever bother to get off it? You can live on this stuff. And even then, I knew, that's not what I wanted to hear. It made me feel like there's just no hope. I didn't want to just be happy. I knew that something was missing in my life. I wanted joy. I think every person in life wants joy. Happiness is fleeting, but joy is constant. See, joy is really something different. It's somehow this deep-rooted gladness that can remind you no matter the circumstance, you can have hope. That's even why today we were singing it in that song, Yes, I Will, right? I will sing for joy even when my heart is heavy. Even if I'm going through something, I'm going to pray and I'm going to worship and I'm going to hope for this joy. Not I'm going to hope I'm happy when things are going miserably. We can acknowledge that every day is not going to be the best day. But joy reminds us that God's never left us. It's this security. It's this safety. It's this trust and this hope. That's joy. That no matter the situation, I can have hope. No matter the situation, I have God. No matter what's going on in the world or in my family or the circumstance around me, I, I'm going to be okay because I have God. Jesus is not even the only source of joy, but he just modeled it for us too. He didn't just become the source, but he actually showed us how to have joy. Think of his life. Remember, he was a savior born to die. Remember we talked about sin? Jesus knew no sin. He was an innocent man, but yet he willingly took our place on the cross so that we can experience the joy of God again. Sin separated us, but Jesus brought us back from the darkness and he redeemed us. We were all stuck in sin, broken and lost, but Jesus comes into the world and he leads the sinless life and he submitted himself to the Father. And he found joy in that. It says this in Hebrews 12 too. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame as he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, who for joy set before him endured the cross. Think about what we're talking about. 
The cross was not easy. The cross wasn't this fun thing that Jesus does on the weekend, going, oh, I'm going to do this thing, and everything's going to be right in the world again. No, it was torture. It was suffering. And he says, I'm going to do this for the joy set before me. I would argue, and I'm assuming you would all agree, that the cross isn't happy. Jesus being beaten and whipped and then dragged to this cross is not happy. But yet Jesus counted it all as joy. Jesus knew he was going to suffer. Mary knew he was going to suffer, but yet at this moment of him being laid in a manger, it was full of joy. His death would be full of joy. His resurrection and life would be full of joy. See, the difference between happiness and joy is that happiness will come and go, but joy will remain and can remain forever. Jesus says this in John 15, verse 9 through 11. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Jesus doesn't want us to be merely happy. He wants us to be filled Filled with joy, and not just any joy, but his joy. And when he says filled, he's talking about to the point where it's overflowing from us, that no matter where we are, we're like, okay, I know I'm going to be okay. The situation looks bleak, but I have God. The relationship's not working out, but I have God. The world is crumbling all around me, but I have God. That's overflowing joy. That's the power of the good news. In Jesus, there's complete joy that overflows. But what is that joy? That joy is rooted in knowing that God loves us. That's why I love that Jesus says, follow the commands as he follows the commands. Because God laid out this path for us that leads to him, and he's saying, that way, that direction that I'm leading you to leads to joy, and all other things will lead to disappointment. So many of us are looking for joy, but the sad part is so few find it. So what does joy in Jesus look like? Joy in Jesus shows us that we are loved. Many during this season will struggle with love, and they'll compare it through gift-giving or family members around a table or compare it to love that was lost. But Jesus showed us his love by taking our place on the cross. We were meant to be eternally separated from God because of sin. But God steps in and says, no, I'll redeem you so I can have this relationship with you, this eternal, loving relationship. We can have joy because of the cross. That was a sign of suffering. We can have joy in God who loves us. Joy in Jesus breaks the power of sin and shame. We can be forgiven. We can walk in freedom. That's only brought by Jesus. Sin and shame keep us from joy, but Jesus wants us to have joy to the fullest. This is why he says follow the commandments. That's why he says abide in his love. Because following him truly leads to joy. There's no sin, there's no shame, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So following him leads to a free life. And we've all been enslaved to something. And Jesus is saying, I want to set the captive free. That's why he came. So yeah, we might be stuck in sin or stuck in shame, and Jesus is like, no, I want to redeem you and take you out of that so you can truly experience joy because following him truly leads to joy. Joy in Jesus brings complete healing. 
The only way to the Father, right? The only way to heaven, the only way to God is through the Son, is through Jesus. And putting our hope in Jesus, putting our faith in him leads to eternal life where one day, and this is the day I cannot wait for, we will all be sitting in paradise, those of us who believe in him, and we will see him face to face and he will wipe the tears from our eyes and there'll be no more sickness, no more shame, no more pain, no more disease, no more death. That's joy. That's hope in God that no matter the situation, hey, I'm going to be good because one day I'm going to be face to face with my king and I'm going to worship him. And finally, I'm going to be complete. And whatever body issue I was dealing with on earth will be healed. Whatever mental state I was dealing with on earth will be healed. Whatever emotional state I was dealing with on earth, I will be healed and sitting next to a God who loves me unconditionally. Joy in Jesus leads to longing for him. I don't think that people would think longing for something brings joy. Just like, kind of, we get, we, we're having a baby. I've been longing for like nine months now. I cannot wait till February. But there's tons of joy in the waiting. You know what's amazing about this season? And I actually do love this. I love how excited kids get. Kids love Christmas. They know that this gift is coming, and they wait with this anticipation because they can't wait to open their gifts. We're too living in a time of anticipation for a glorious gift. Think about those shepherds in the field. Think about all the people in the Old Testament. They were waiting for thousands of years for this promised coming Messiah, this promised Savior, who is going to redeem the people and bring us back into this amazing relationship with God. They longed for the hope of the Messiah. They longed for the hope of a Savior. And when he came, it was a great joy for all people. And we, too, get to share in that hope and joy with them. We, too, are now in this anticipation, again, for a coming Savior. Jesus promises us. He says it in Acts, I'm coming back. So just like the people in the Old Testament were waiting for the promised Messiah, we get to share in that as we wait for that promised Messiah too. We live in a now and not yet. We have the joy and freedom from Jesus' victory on the cross. He defeated the enemy. He defeated death. We have this joy in him. Jesus was already victorious on the cross. He was victorious at his resurrection, and we get to live in that victory and walk free. But we also are in this moment of not yet as we wait and long for his return. Like a kid in the night before Christmas, we are longing in this joy for a returning Savior. Amen? I love that the shepherds were told where joy would be found. I love that they rush, they pick up their belongings, and they go after him. My question for you this morning is, what about you? My job coming here and and talking and being a pastor or just even being a believer, a disciple of Jesus. My job is to be like the angel and be like, hey, I know where joy is found. I'm just point to it. The shepherds were so excited to, to find Jesus. They go after him. Are you? Are you looking for true joy? Are you satisfied with what the world has offered? I'm telling you, it's going to disappoint. But if I'm telling you where joy is, are you willing to run to it this morning? Are you willing to go after where true joy is found, pursuing real joy? We see that that's only found in Jesus. And you can have that joy and you can have that freedom today. That no matter when your happiness is robbed or no matter what happens at work or at school or family gatherings or just in this pain of life, you can have joy always. I love what happens next with the shepherds. Picking back up in Luke 2, verse 17. When they had seen him, They spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Right? When the shepherds saw him, when they saw Jesus, they begin to spread the word to everyone exactly what had been told to them. They're telling everybody about this joy, about this Savior, because the shepherds finally found true joy. And what do they do with it? They tell everybody. I don't know if you ever had joy about something, but you can't help but tell everybody. I mean, when you found something that is just as amazing as joy, you're like, I can't just keep this to myself. I got to share it with everyone. That's why I love the song, Joy to the World. Well, I've grown to love the song, Joy to the World. The lyrics in Joy to the World, right? It says, Joy to the World, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. But then there's this line that says, repeat the sounding joy. And I always thought it just meant, okay, we say that line again, repeat the sounding joy. But no, it's way more than that. They were, they were repeating the sounding joy. The shepherds were, they found joy and they're like, we, we got to tell everybody, hey, we found joy. Hey, we, they're repeating the sounding joy to everyone. And what was people's response? They were amazed. Too many times I think the church, kind of nationwide, has been in this spot where like, okay, we want people to experience joy. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to try and look more and more like them and try and convince people to come to church. And then we're going to do a bait and switch and be like, oh, Jesus. It's, it's not supposed to be like that. I don't want to look like the world. We're meant to look different because people already have the world and they're disappointment, disappointment, disappointment. But then they find something different like the church. People who will, hey, we'll sing to a screen because we know we're singing to a holy God. They're like, they got something that I don't. They have joy. And I want that. So church, let's not look like the world and say, like, well, let's, let's play music like them, or let's act like them, or let's, let's do strategies about how we're going to get people in the door. No, let's just be the church. Let's just be what Jesus wanted us to be. People will come, and people will begin to worship and find joy. This is what the shepherds were doing, repeating the sounding joy. They didn't keep it for themselves. They didn't say this is a personal joy. They told everyone, and people were amazed at what they heard. People were amazed when they encountered true joy. And we should be amazed when we sit and truly reflect and ponder the joy that we have. Like I said, I think we get too used to the Christmas story because we hear it every year. What if you just sat and kind of rethought about everything you heard before and you're like, this is pretty insane. Like the shepherds, if we pondered and reflected on what joy we have in God, we couldn't help but praise him. We couldn't help but glorify him. We would choose to praise and glorify God all the time. Think how worship would be more full when we reflect and ponder on the joy that we have in Christ. Isn't that what Mary does? It says that she treasured these things in her heart and she ponders them. That's joy that she can always lean on. That's joy that she can always reflect on. And even as she watches her son go to the cross and suffer, she knew it was going to happen because they warned her, and she said she treasured this in her heart so she would lean on these moments of joy. Even amidst suffering, even watching true joy be beaten and marked and slain, she still has this joy because she knows she had her hope in him. Church will feel more full. Soaping will be more full. Think about the disciples who start the early church, which was this uphill battle trying to start a church that didn't exist. And they were beaten. They were kicked out. They were hunted down. And they were killed. All of them killed. Yet time and time again, what does it say? They worshiped. They rejoiced. They were pumped they were getting beaten because they had joy. 
That's the power of real joy. That's what's meant to be shared. And at Christmas, we want to bring people happiness, right? We get them gifts, and we hope that it'll make them smile, and that it'll make them happy, and that's not a bad thing. If you want to get me gifts and watch me smile, go ahead. <laughs> we love our families. We love our friends. So we get them gifts to bring a little happiness to them. But toys will break. Money will come and go, and I believe that. Food will be eaten. The happiness will also eventually fade. But this year, what if we brought people joy and the gift? I know you, I'm not going to say don't give them the gift. Give them the gift. But what if we actually brought people joy this year? What if because we know the story, we know where true joy is found, we decided, okay, I'm not just going to sit idly by at the family gathering table this year and kind of avoid religious talk. I'm going to tell them about where true joy can be found. I'm going to tell my friends. I'm going to tell my loved ones. I'm going to be like the angel. I'm going to point them to a joy that will never fade, a joy that will remain in all circumstances, a joy that will be with them even till the very end of the age. We, like the shepherds, can spread joy by telling everyone about who Jesus is. Because remember what the, an angel says. Tonight a Savior has been born to cause joy for great, or great joy for all people. Not just the people who want to hear it. It's for all people. So what better time is now when even like Walmart you go in and they're singing Angel Heard on High on the radio. There's plenty of opportunities to talk about joy. So next week is our Christmas service, 4 p.m. in the theater. This week, sorry, this Friday, dang, Christmas went fast. What if you invited people on December 24th, whatever day that is, Friday, invited others to have this conversation of why you dedicate time every year to this gathering or why you take time to worship this giver of joy or why you get with groups of people and pray and worship and sing? What if you invited others to that table? What if you explained to them, this is why I do it? Just like the shepherds, you can be used by God to point people to true joy. So how are you, how are we, spreading joy this Christmas season? Maybe we just need to take a moment in our week this week to reflect on what does it mean to have the joy of the Lord, the joy of Jesus. And if you're like, hey, I've been sitting here for years, and I've never found that joy. I have all the head knowledge, but I just never connected it. That joy is for you today. You can have that. And there's no judgment from me. There's like, if you've been sitting here for years, like, I've been here longer than you've been alive. I don't know how it's possible because we've only been 15 years. I'm 29. But if you've been sitting here and you're like, I've been sitting week after week in pews and now in red chairs, and I've been saying, yeah, I, I love Jesus, but it's not been clicking. You can have freedom today. It's offered to you. Or if you're new and you're like, hey, I don't know what you're talking about, but it sounds awesome and you seem really pumped and you're talking a mile a minute. Yeah, it's for you too. So if that's you, can you be clear? Can everybody just close their eyes for a minute? And I want to remind you that there's no such thing as a salvation prayer. It's not, you won't find it in scripture. But there's this moment where the gathering, we can be together and acknowledge Jesus' presence. So I'm just going to ask you, and this is just for me, this is a human moment. If you have never experienced this joy of God and you want to follow him, would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. 
All right. Pray along with me in your hearts. Um, just kind of a silent reflection. God, we want joy everlasting. And some of us have been so hurt for so many years, and we've been running to everything trying to find this joy, and it's been fleeting. We're happy for a minute, and then we're sad for the season. We have these highs and we have these lows, but, but we're talking today about a joy that's constant and remaining in you. Jesus, we acknowledge that we are sinners. We acknowledge that we're broken. And we need a Savior. Today, God, we put our hope in you. Jesus, forgive us of our sins. And help us to run after you and to even know what that looks like. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that, and, and I know some of you raised your hands, please talk to me afterwards. We'll talk. That, like I said, the prayer doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. I want to have a conversation on what that looks like. Um, but, and if you've been sitting here, and you're like, hey, I have this joy. I mean, I've been loving living in the life of God. Spread it, please. Tell people about who Jesus is. Tell people about who God is. I want to leave you with this last verse in Romans 15, 13. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. I want to say it one more time. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. There is power in the Holy Spirit. There is power in the joy of believing in God, and it's a joy that abounds in hope. And today, that's available to all of us. So I'm going to pray, and then Jeremy Humble is going to come up and lead us into communion. And afterwards, I mean this, if anyone needs prayer for anything at all, whether it's, hey, I want to take that step, and I want to become a disciple of God, whatever that means, or hey, I have been having no joy, or I have no, no happiness, or you have anything at all that you're like, hey, I need prayer for, I'm going to hang up here for a few minutes by the Christmas tree. Come up and talk to me. Um, I, I would love to pray over you. So let me pray, and then we'll dive into communion. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. You are our joy always. Help us to live a life of joy in you. The joy of the Lord truly is our strength, and sometimes we really need to lean on that joy, God. We love you, Lord Jesus. May we continue to tell all people of the great joy found in you. In Jesus' name I pray. And God's people said, amen. amen.